Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. But fortunately for us, you know, the like I said, the area has been gentrifying. The rents are going up. Even though I had to deal with a lot of evictions and, you know, uh, low occupancy rates and all that stuff going through, you know, multiple property managers, because uh, like I said, I'm not the person who's going to manage any property that I own. I always want to have a property manager between me and the property. Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Real Estate Lab podcast. In this lab, we decode the stories, secrets, and skills of the most brilliant minds in real estate investing, then turn their wisdom into practical advice and knowledge that we can use to boost our income. And now, let's turn it over to our host, V. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to episode number two of the Real Estate Lab podcast. Our featured guest today is a seasoned technology entrepreneur and marketing executive who is now a full-time real estate investor. Prior to starting his company, Smart Capital, he spent over three decades with tech startups in the field of business intelligence and data analytics. He started investing in real estate in 2012 with a purchase of a single condo in Orlando, Florida. In 2018, he left his job after five years to pursue his interest in real estate investing full-time. His meetup and Facebook groups, apartment investing and multifamily syndication is one of the fastest growing meetups in the Boston areas that I know of. His portfolio today includes nine condo in Orlando, Florida, 15 units multifamily in the greater Boston area, 151 units in Dalton, Georgia, 152 units in Thomasville, Georgia, 225 units in Amarillo, Texas, and 80 units in Kansas City, Missouri. Ladies and gentlemen, our feature guest today, Mr. Rajesh Takshindani. Him and I discuss many aspects in multifamily investing and syndication, raising private money, particularly things that he did wrong on the first multifamily deals that he did on his own. I think you will get a lot of value out of this podcast today. Hey, Raj, welcome to the Real Estate Lab podcast. Hey, thank you for having me here, man. Thank you. Thank you, man. You are doing so much for um, everyone on the uh multifamily community. So I really appreciate for you to take the time out and do this interview with me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Like I said, it's my pleasure. So Raj, walk me back. Say we are junior in, in high school. So who is Rajesh? Yeah. So it was Rajesh and not Raj then because Raj came up when I came to the US. Anyway, so back in Junior in high school, you know, very focused on doing engineering in computers is, is what I was. Had no knowledge about, you know, business or marketing or selling, but I really wanted to be an engineer. That was, that, that's what I was. So you focus in um, doing engineering work. And then you came to the U.S. to study and pursue that career? No, actually, I got my engineering undergrad degree in India from... Uh, pretty decent in university now, rated one of the best, is the, called the Indian Institute of Technology at Roorkee. So that's where I did my undergrad in computer science from. And um, maybe a year later after I did that, after graduation, I came to the U.S. And then when you came to the U.S., you were always in tech and startup, correct? Yes, I have always, been, ever since my professional career, I've been in sort of early stage startups. And I did some, you know, large corporations before, but, you know, most of my professional career has been in startups, tech startups, yes. 
So fast forward to your your last job as I understand it was a marketing exec position at a startup. Correct, correct. So again, you know, it was an it was not a very early stage, but a you know startup that was doing well, and uh, I, I interviewed there, and I liked what they were doing. They were trying to use data analytics to uh, creating a platform to basically analyze data and make businesses decisions based on data. So they had, uh, like I said, big data analytics graph tool that uh, they were building. So very exciting. And my role was in the marketing, basically uh, evangelizing, you know, what we were doing and uh, this new product. So the hard work that you had, you know, put you at this point where you're a marketing exec. Why did you or how did you decide to go into real estate? I had been investing in real estate on the side. At somewhere around 2012, I got at least interested in looking at, you know, passive income or just, you know, putting aside some money in real estate. And I had bought one condo in Orlando because a friend of mine was buying there. I said, you know, let me go down with you and take a look. And it so happened that the prices were way down in, in, a, in a nice community. And I bought my first condo for $35,000. Right. So 2012- 2012, your friends took you down to Orlando, Florida and show you around for his properties. And you ultimately bought one property for $35,000. That is correct. Yeah. There must be other friends also who also are investing in different vehicle of, you know, like stocks or precious metal. Why did you ultimately pick uh, real estate as opposed to the other investment oh, well, vehicles? Yeah, absolutely. I was in stocks. I was, you know, that was that was our only investments, you know, stocks and of course not metals, not nothing to do with futures, but mostly stocks and mutual funds. And of course, with you know startups, I had a lot of you know, options that or, or stock options, right? That uh, had you know made a decent amount of uh, paper net worth. But then you know what happened, right? Everything came down, and uh, we all lost whatever we had gained in those in those markets. And I was like, "My, this is not fun." And I had no control on what was going on. I could have been, you know, brilliant and seen ahead and sold in time, but uh, I didn't have that uh, crystal ball. So that kind of, you know, took me out of the stock market and looking at some other markets. We still do some stock, you know, through my wife's work and it's, we are still invested in it. But my, me personally, it shifted my focus onto real estate investing. Again, like I said, this was still early, uh, early, early getting into real estate and understanding the market, how it is. And fortunately, the, I had I got into after that, you know, 2008 debacle. So I got in when the prices were down and signs of showing, you know, improvement and coming back up. Right. And then you ultimately bought more from from this market yeah so same orlando same apartment community i bought second one and third one and ultimately ended up buying nine condos from one bedroom to three bedroom difference and it just you know picked them all nine condos over the next uh, four five years something like that yeah so what were the things that you learned along the way from buying your first unit to your ninth one Ah, uh, the one thing that I learned was that it's 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 not very easy to you know buy and own rental property, especially when it's remote. It requires a lot of work. It requires uh, you to be on top of it. It requires interacting with your your tenants and you know get you know, staying ahead of the game. Fortunately for me, we had a very good property manager there, and uh, she was taking care of everything. And till she, you know, passed away, unfortunately, and then it hit me. Oh my God, what do we do now? But again, uh, God bless her family. Her daughter also had picked up, you know, the ropes of you know property management from her mom, 
And she is now been managing our nine condos very nicely there. So thank God for that. But yeah, it's not easy to be a landlord, especially when it's remote. And you absolutely have to have a well-trained property manager to do this thing business. Right. Because otherwise, you know, it's not so much passive anymore, become more of an active role for you. Exactly. So these nine condos, are they close to uh, Disney or what area are they? They're close to Disney. And that's wonderful because we have, I don't know, probably one month of vacancy in all these years, in all these condos, because these people, it's a very high demand in that community. And it's uh, it's close to Disney. It's you know not too far from the airport, and it's 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 the you know working class uh, that lives there. It's not not luxury condos. These are not C class condos, but I would say there's these are B class condos and work for for working class. And there's a lot of demand there. So fortunately for us, you know the we never had an issue with vacancy and the rent. So right now, your strategy with these condos are just having the daughter of this property manager run points and rent them out long-term or are you looking at our Airbnb also? No, no, these are all long-term, long-term rentals. So, you know, and um, yeah, that's my, it's, it's my buy and hold strategy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good cash flow that pays for other stuff that I try to do or, you know, work around real estate. So then what come, what come after the nine units condo in Orlando? Like I said, you know, uh, so those were chugging along well with, you know, slight this thing that I need to, you know, have more control on it and have it closer to the home. As everybody talked about, you should buy close to where you live. And I said, okay, let me try that. So I started looking around. This is 2016 now. I found a 12 unit, actually it's a 12 plus 3, 15 unit property that came very close to where I live in, uh, in the Boston area. And it's in the neighboring town, which is, it's an upcoming town. It's not the most affluent towns. It's, 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 it's being gentrified. So I knew about the area and I, I, I could have biked down the road, or, but I drove, drove it there to just look at it and uh, felt good. I mean, it was an old, old building. And I talked to the property manager there and uh, it worked. It seemed like it was going to work out. So I, I, you know, took the plunge and bought it. Also wanted to get into the whole multifamily thing of, you know, everything under being one roof and no 10 separate bills for electric or all the standard differences between single family and multifamily and the benefits of multifamily. Right, right. I also did purchase a small eight unit multiplex in uh, Jacksonville, Illinois, just a small town. Mm -hmm. So I, I made a lot of mistakes buying that first one. Did you run into some of that same issue? Of course. So, you know, there's so much more that I, I I did not know about, you know, buying a multifamily. Just take the expense ratios. I mean, the expense ratio in this multifamily C-class was about 30-something percent. I mean, that is a red flag right there. Um, oh, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the occupancy was 100%. So I was like, all that great. But uh, then I discovered there is something called the physical occupancy and something called the economic occupancy, right? You can have everybody living there, but not everybody will be paying rents on time or paying, you know, way behind their schedule. So the economic occupancy is, you know, something that I learned. Then I learned about, you know, all the expenses that were not on the T12, which is the financial statements that I got when I bought it. Just because the owner was self-managing a lot of those, you know, expenses through his son, snow plowing and, you know, some basic other expenses were not on that thing. And when you live in the Boston area, you know snow can be a huge expense when come winter time. 
Was it was it an all bills paid property? Sorry, what, what was it? Yeah, it's an all bills. All bills paid. I think I take that back. No, there was heat is being paid by us. So that is big thing. The heat is being paid by us, and everything else is being paid uh, by us as well, except for except for their electricity and I think their cooking gas. So all the big ticket items you had to pick up, basically. Yep. 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 Oh man, yeah, definitely. The thirty percent was way too good to be true. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, those things, those are things that you know. Uh, like I said, what knowing what I know now, I don't know if I would have bought that. But fortunately for us, you know, the like I said, the area has been gentrifying. The rents are going up, even though I had to deal with a lot of evictions and you know, uh, low occupancy rates and all that stuff. Going through you know multiple property managers because, uh, like I said, I'm not the person who's going to manage any property that I own. I always want to have a property manager between me and the property tenants. So that's my model. People have their own models. So I have to rely on a property manager and it takes time to, you know, find the right property manager. What do you look for in a property manager? I think the number one thing that you look for is, are they, um, something that I've learned, their local presence, right? I mean, how, how accessible they are uh, to me and to the property uh, and, and how is, how is their reputation in the marketplace? So, you know, those things I learned over, over the time. How do you pay your property manager on, on what model? So we pay them on, you know, the rents collected, a certain percentage. Right. So you pay certain eight, nine, ten percent every month of whatever rent they collect, collected, right? We pay on a quarterly basis. Yeah, but that's pretty much it. Okay. And then, do they charge you for your uh, renter placement? Yes, they do. The new ones do. Do you like that model, or do you like the old model more? Which old model? You? What you what you said the the new one do. So I'm just yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I really want to be hands off, and mm-hmm. if, if they can do a good job doing background checks and everything else, I'm willing to pay you know a portion of you know our profits. Like I said, at the end of the day, it's a numbers game for me. I mean, if I'm if I'm doing well, you know, making a decent cash flow, I don't mind sharing the you know profits. That is my model. I assume with all of these properties, you have enough of a passive income to replace your w2 income oh uh, well i won't say that i mean it was <laughs> that was the intention that so by the way in 2018 I, I made that decision that i'm gonna leave my w2 to replace my w2 income now that i had some confidence on passive income so i set out to buy you know a f- couple of more properties like this if i had between those nine and 15 and if i bought another 15 20 that would have easily replaced my w2 income and totally passively right right but i couldn't find much in the area of you know that 15 20 range and also you know now i'm you know now that i'm more learned i should say or educated in terms of you know mistakes and models and how to evaluate properties i realized that you know in massachusetts is not where i want to focus my energies on and small units is not what i want to focus my energies on and that led me to the whole world of syndication Thankfully, I had a friend who was engaged in that a few years ago and had offered me to invest passively in his deal, which I refused because I said, I have no ideas of what you're doing. And this was in Georgia. I said, you know, he was at that point, I think it was 200 and something units. I said, are you crazy? <laughs> That's a lot. 
lot of but he so he told me that you know don't worry it's it's a, it's it's a, it's a method to this madness and you know you learn and i said yeah okay when i learn then i'll come back to you and lo and behold here i am with you know multiple syndications now and over 500 doors uh, in investment how many syndication deals that you participate on the gp side and then how many on the lp side so i did one on the lp side and i'm always looking for lp deals so you know i'm an accredited investor always looking for good deals but i like i said i did one lp and i said okay i have enough time and energy and bandwidth and you know ways i can help a general partnership so let me be more involved so i've done three on the general partnership side where i have you know done the due diligence work you know done some analysis work uh, gone down to the properties to do the surveys with with the team and now i manage investor relationships and also some capital raising for them so yeah interesting so walk us through your first capital raise that you did so the first capital raise was through the same friend of mine that i had met 3 4 years ago who had offered me a deal right he was out of the picture but his partner uh, was still there and they were doing a deal in georgia and clearly like i said i mean capital raising is just not capital raising it's actually a capital raising partnership so you are a partner in capital efforts so i asked them if i can and come down to the property because they were doing due diligence at the time and i said you know i was interested in investing in it i want to come down and take a look what the process is so where we went down to georgia uh, we met with the property management the potential property management team on this project we did the lease audits and you know, learned all about lease audits tenant profiles and how the models work so got got very involved in a lot of detail level right that's how i like it to be mm-hmm. and then you know built my i ran the numbers in my own models now that i know a little bit of modeling financials and the numbers look good and i you know talked it about with my some friends and family members i said this is what i'm investing in they said that looks great and we would like to invest with you and i said well let's let's sit down and talk about it i want to make sure that you understand what this business is because not everybody understands syndication right right all of the thing real estate investing is buying something and you know holding on to it and wait for capital appreciation and they don't understand this whole pooled investments right so syndication is a group investing together and the structure of it you know who's a general partner what are their roles and responsibilities who is a limited partner what is their roles and responsibilities so i had to walk a lot of my friends through you know small meetings lunches dinners breakfasts and that's how i educated my early investors so your early investor uh, and you also mentioned earlier that you are accredited Can you explain what accredited is and also where your early investor accredited themselves? So, yeah, so two parts, right? The first part, what is an accredited investor? So by definition, and I I I may be a little off in words, but but, but in general the definition says if you are a single uh then your income should be 200,000 or more over the last two years. if you are married and joint filing then it should be 300000 or more or the third option is that your net worth excluding your primary residence should be a million dollars so if you satisfy those conditions then you're an accredited investor and the second part of your question is were these all accredited investors for me no they were not because the way the deals syndications are they, they you have two kind of exemptions in it one is a 506b as in boy and the other one is the 506c as in charlie in the 506b's 
you don't have to have all accredited investors in the deal. You can have accredited and up to 35 sophisticated investors, but you have to have a pre-existing relationship with these investors, which means you know, you've met with them, you know them very well, you know their financial situation, they know about the deal and you've talked about it. So like I said, it's, it's a pre-existing relationship and this existing relationship should have been there before this deal was you know, made available. So that was the deal that I worked on. First one was a 506B, and that's how we got uh, some accredited and some non-accredited investors in it. So then, when you were jumping from your nine to your fifth, you know, your twelve plus three to the bigger syndication, what were some of the hurdles that you had to jump through? So from nine to fifteen is all my investments, right? I mean, so that's me. I'm responsible for it. And any any actions that I take or not take is going to impact me. Once you are into the world of syndications, now you are obviously if if you are if you are raising capital, you are raising capital with some other passive investors who you know you're responsible for basically for a lot lot more. Uh, you are responsible for you know making sure you pick the right partners. You're responsible for making sure the investment is right. And making sure if you have investors, they are taken care of, you know, before you are, uh, you're taking on the risks and basically shielding your passive investors from those, some of those risks that you are willing to take. Plus, there is a lot more education that needs to be done, right? I mean, every deal is a little different deal. And every deal, uh, you have some nuances. You have to, you know, understand that deal completely first before you, you know, present it to anybody. So, yeah, you better make sure that you're, you are fully bought into the deal yourself before you even talk to any, uh, even think of talking to any investors, uh, getting involved in any investors in the deal. So you mentioned briefly about education. What's your personal opinion about mentorship or mastermind? I have, I have really mixed feelings on that because, I mean, I'm fortunate to be with a couple of groups that have worked well for me, but I've also heard some horror stories of, you know, people joining this uh, some guru classes and paying a lot, lot of dollars and still not, you know, feeling good about it. Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, networking is a big thing. You, you Learning is a big thing. Knowledge is a big thing. So you can't, uh, and partnership is a big thing in this game. So you can't work in a vacuum. So you have to be educated. You have to have the knowledge and you have to have the right partners, which is also some of these, you know, masterminds and you know coaching groups provide to you so i definitely see the value there just have to do your due diligence in finding on which one you want to invest in so not only that you need to do due diligence on the deals you need to also do due diligence on the coach yeah i mean that's two different things right i mean the deals are is a deal separate thing but for your personal learning things you have to be absolutely you know pick the right group that you're working with I mean, not the deals are in our in our case. You know, I I know some in some groups the deals are part of your coaching things, but where I am, you know, the deals are separated out of your coaching thing. You can get feedback on the deals, but the coach doesn't provide you deals. Correct. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And that's the main thing because otherwise, I I feel like there's a conflict of interest there because the coach want to prove his or her's credibility to give you deals, and then it may or may not be a good deal. Now, That's you right. quit your W-2 job and you are now pursuing the real estate syndication full-time. 
and your role is a capital raiser on the general partner side? Uh, that's not completely true. My role is a general partner, and I play all kind of different hats. Capital raising is uh, is for everybody in the team. I think so. Yeah, you can have defined capital raisers, but that's not how I like to work. I mean, I like to get involved in, like I said, due diligence, the marketing, the the efforts of you know analyzing the deals, and it's 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 a whole different things. But yeah. I, I do enjoy, you know, talking to investors and talking to people and raising capital for the deals. Can you talk about your work day now compared to uh, your W two? <laughs> so we, you know, you and I are talking at on a Saturday, you know, morning at ten o'clock, and I've been up since six o'clock writing a blog article, just sharing my experience and journeys, and that's how it's typically is. There is times that you do whatever you want. So it's total flexibility and total accountability on yourself. So there is, in my opinion, there's like really no working hours anymore because all the hours are working hours. And there is, you you pick, choose, pick your free time, except for when you have meetings with the investors or other, you know, people that you have to meet. So it's not, it's not flexible, but a lot of my time is, you know, analyzing deals, you know, talking to some brokers, talking to a lot of prospect investors, you know, people in my... So I also run, you know, a meetup in the Boston area. So I'm always looking for different topics, you know, and there's a lot of follow-ups from that meetups. I am also actively managing a couple of Facebook groups. Uh, there's a lot of follow-ups there. So yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I don't know where the day goes. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I feel like you have the financial freedom to do whatever you want, but also sometimes you're, you're working a little bit more than your w2 job although i don't think that is working if you enjoy the work that you're exactly, doing exactly exactly i so i mean if you know somebody said if you don't you it's not work if you're enjoying it that much right it's you're really doing it right so what's your drive what's your passion in in doing all this i think it didn't start it off that way i mean my my starting point was to build enough and you know, a passive income for myself and my family but I think suddenly my drive has shifted to educating others to do the same. So yeah, I'm spending a lot of time in coaching, talking to people, sharing my experiences, you know, what is possible, you know, telling people about alternate investments from, you know, stocks and bonds and in the markets that real estate is 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 a really legit vehicle to invest uh, passively. Um, you can do it actively if you want, but that's going to be another job for you. So just opening the doors for other people. I mean, something that I've learned over the last, you know, whatever, seven, eight years, 10 years. So now it's become like a passion to, you know, get more people engaged in that. And you're getting more and more people engaged in through your meetup at Boston. Yeah. So the Boston meetup is growing. The Facebook groups are growing. The people, you know, attending more conferences. So in general, my network is growing. And, uh, you know, that's that's about it. Just keep working at it and uh, you keep doing good things and, you know, uh, rest will all take care of itself. So talk about your, your meetup. What's the name of your group and who should attend your Boston meetup? So the name of the group is called Apartment Investing and Multifamily Syndication. It's AIMS, AIMS for short, easy to remember. And I started this meetup because I I was going to a lot of meetups in Boston and I could not feel that I was fitting in uh, in terms of the focus was not there. I mean, these meetups are large meetups and they talk about everything from, you know, 
flipping, wholesaling, and uh, there are just anything, all the deals and people present their deals. I was like, I, I don't want to, you know, so I tried looking for other meetups that were very focused on syndication, right? Right. And there were a couple of them, but I did not uh, see myself, you know, uh, so I just said, okay, let me just start my own and then see how it goes. And so my meetup is a little different from other meetups. It's a, we have a conference room. It's a boardroom style meetup, very educational focused. We pick up a topic uh, every month and I share the topic in advance and, you know, let people know that we have limited seating. So sign up early. <laughs> Sometimes I have to repeat the same topic twice. I want to keep it more engaged, uh, educational, so that people can share ideas. And, and who who should attend? I mean, anybody who's interested in, you know, uh, passive income through real estate or, or syndication. I mean, that's how the people that I'm trying to attract to and bring to these meetups. And some people want to, you know, grow to become syndicators. That's fine. Some people want to just expand on their passive income. That's great. So, yeah, that's, that's the crowd. I mean, we don't get too many flippers or wholesalers or uh, people just doing shoot, lending private money. Yeah. And do you set this up once a month, once a quarter? No, this is once a month, once a month, once a month. On a certain day of the month? Well, I mean, it is, I'm trying to get to that format. It was just, you know, when I could get <laughs> rooms available in my building, because uh, I, you know, use a free space that is available to me. And also try to see, you know, what works around. So I've, so far we have been doing it on different days. But I think going forward, I'll put in a structure to it and probably try to get a little bigger space and do it, you know, once every month on a certain, you know, like last or fourth Tuesday of the month is what I'm thinking. Last Tuesday of the month, you said? Fourth Tuesday. Yeah. Fourth Tuesday. Yeah. So this month it's going to be the 23rd. The 23rd. <laughs> Syndic syndication demystified because a lot of people are like you know what is syndication so I, i'm gonna take it back to the you know basics in this one most of your meetup meetings are you teaching or do you have guests come in and, and teach um i don't like the word teach but uh, yeah i'm the one leading it and sharing and i put up the slides but interestingly, it's very interactive. So there's always somebody in the group that is, is probably far ahead of me or, you know, just came there to network and has a lot more knowledge than I do. And it's very interactive. So everybody chimes in and people ask questions because it's, an, it's a no judgment zone. We don't judge, you know, where you're coming from and what kind of basic knowledge you have or not. So, yeah, that's, that's it. It's, it's not teaching. It's just sharing of knowledge. But yeah, I put up the slides and definitely on going forward, I want to invite guest speakers. I've already have identified speakers in the Boston area or people from outside who are willing to come in to speak to this group. That's awesome there. So for those of you who are interested in learning about syndication and you live in the Boston area, you should definitely go check out Raj's group and we will have more information in the show notes. Raj, also, you're, you mentioned that you run a few groups online. What platform are you using? So I use mainly um, Facebook and LinkedIn. I haven't done much on other platforms yet, although I started off in bigger pockets, but I have been off bigger pockets for a little bit. I need to get back in there. You, the name of your groups I see here is Data Driven Multifamily Investing. Mm -hmm. Another one is apartment investing and multifamily syndication, AIMS. That's right. So AIMS has now two, two, <laughs> two personas. One is the meetup 
and one is the uh, Facebook group. Awesome. So those of you who are not in the Boston area should definitely look us up in Facebook for that group. That's right. You're doing all of this. You're pretty involved in in the real estate world, in the multifamily syndication world. Where do you see the industry is going, given your background in technology? Oh, <laughs> that is one topic I really like to speak. And that's one of the genesis of that group, uh, data-driven multifamily investing, right? I think there is a lot that real estate industry is going to see in the near future, right? We've already seen tools like Enodo that are doing automated underwriting, something that used to take, you know, underwriters days or weeks, could be done in minutes now, you know, because of, you know, machine learning and all the technologies coming in, we can now have, we'll have, we will have systems that are intelligent enough to predict, you know, what's going to happen five years from now based on certain, you know, enhances that you make in the, in a property. Um, all that good stuff is coming. It is, you know, your, if you have an apartment community, you know, what is the sentiment in that community? That can be all done through, you know, sentiment analysis, uh, all technology. So you can be one step ahead of taking care of your community members. That's awesome. You mentioned sentiment analysis. Do you mm-hmm. have a recommendation for a company that's doing this? Or is Enodo also has this function? Enodo does not have, but, and I don't have a recommendation, but I know I've talked to a lot of, uh, I read a lot about, you know, uh, technology in real estate. And I think that's just coming on down the road. There's tools out there. And I don't know if Enodo has it on their product roadmap or not. I mean, they're more focused on analyzing market research and doing some predictive analytics. So besides going to meetup groups, are there any books or any podcasts that you would recommend for someone who is new and want to dabble into this world? Hey, funny you say that, V, because I just, like I said, I wrote up an article this morning on LinkedIn sharing all my resources, the podcasts that I that I've listened to, or I keep listening to the books that I've read. And I've limited it to, you know, top three in all these categories. So yeah, I mean, we can go through that, or you can just put a sh- that link on your show notes for... Definitely. Now, for those of you who are learning about this, and if you want to get this list, you could find it in Apartment Investing and Multifamily Syndication Facebook group. Or if you follow Raj on LinkedIn, you will also see this list. I'm just letting you know the list is out there. We're not sharing the whole list, but Raj, can you give us one book from this list? Uh, so the one that, you know, on the recent one on this list is, and because of my focus on syndication is Joe Fairless's book on, you know, best ever syndication book, which is, is very well written. Apartment prices are at an all-time high right now. What mm-hmm. are the things that should people should be paying attention to when they are underwriting deals? So, yeah, I mean, I mean, people are, they have to be more conservative. I mean, they have to, the, your apartment, uh, your underwriting has to be very conservative in these times, you know. Gone are the times that, you know, you could, you know, put in an exit cap rate and still achieve it and all things are good and your IRRs were jumping around 25%. Not anymore, in my opinion. You know, you have to be very cautious on what your assumptions are, on rent growth, on your exit cap rates, especially. And uh, make sure that, you know, your, your, you do your sense analysis on, uh, you know, vacancy rates and all that stuff to make sure that you have the underwriting done right. We're coming to the end of the show and we have five questions in the rapid fire round that we do with every guest. You ready for mm-hmm. the fire round? 
Sure, man. Take it on. Awesome. First question: What is the one special ability that you wish you have? One special ability I wish I had. I wish I was a better salesperson. <laughs> I mean, I, I've never, you know, I've been always enamored by people who like sell anything, right? I mean, they can sell you anything. It it doesn't come to me. I have to be very engaged in you know human behavior before I can sell anything. So that's something that I admired in you know good salespeople. But I just have a different way of it. And then, second question: Which single habit gives you eighty percent of your result? Oh, that's easy.、Uh, networking, talking to people without any intention of you know selling.、Uh, like I said,、uh, just talking to people in in a genuine basis, right? I mean, just talk to them about anything and everything, and and the results come、uh, as a result of that. <laughs> right, and that's what I like about your approach, as opposed to some. Slicky salesman, where you may not know about a product yet, you, you know, you're pressured into buying in anyway. Yeah, man, I don't know how those guys do it. God bless them, and、uh, I wish they're not cheating people of their, you know, fortunes.、Uh, that's my, I worry about that. Well, I mean, in this indication world, that's how you go to jail. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. On the third question, if. Say some billionaire sponsor and give you money to have a billboard at Times Square. What is your message that you want to put up there? Ah,、uh, billboard sponsored by a billionaire. I would say invest smartly. S M A R T L Y because smart capital is my my brand. So I would say invest smartly. There you go. Now, how has investing in real estate helped fulfill your dream? Um, I don't know if it's fulfilled my dream, but it's definitely gotten me to a very、uh, happier place that I have more control on my time, and you know, allowed me to spend more time with my family, taking care of other things that I like to do. It's just you know, it's given me more flexibility、uh, to spend time with my parents who live in India, so I can you know travel back and forth、uh, when I want to. Spend more time with kids who are, you know, growing up faster than we know, and spend time with, you know,、uh, my wife and, and all good stuff. It's all、uh, nothing financially there yet, but、uh, but it's given me a lot of flexibility to be a, at a happier place, giving you a lot of freedom to take care of other areas in your life. Right. Exactly. Last question: Who would you like me to interview in a future episode of the Real Estate Lab podcast? Oh boy.、Uh- <laughs> There's a tons of name that can come to that. I I will be doing injustice to other people that I don't name there. One one person who you think would be beneficial to the audience, or more like people who would you know go to your meetup would be、uh, beneficial. Ah,、uh, so I like to mention my friend Vinny Chopra. He's he's a good fun guy.、Uh, same background as me, you know. In fact, when we lived, we lived in the same city in, in India, and he is there now. You know, doing great things. Has done great things. Very inspiring.、Uh, very friendly. So Vinny would be a good guest. Go get him. Go get him, V. Awesome, awesome. I I will. Do you have、um, a way to make an introduction? I will happy to do that. Awesome, awesome. Oh, I look forward to uh, talking to uh, Vinny Smile Chopra. Exactly. <laughs> His signature smile is so great, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is the end of the show. Can you share 
how people can get in contact with you and follow up on conversation that we carry on in this period. Absolutely, man. You know, my website is www.smartcapitalmgmt.com. That's smartcapitalmanagementmgmt.com. And best way to reach me is uh, my email, raj at smartcapitalmgmt.com. And we will also put this in the show notes so you all will have a way to contact Raj and follow up um, on the conversation with him or go to his meetup and or join our Facebook groups. Absolutely. Thank you for your time, Raj. Have a great day. Thank you. Love the episode of the Real Estate Lab podcast? Share the show with all your friends. Subscribe and give the show a five stars rating on iTunes. Until next time, have an awesome work week.